It's October 22nd, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and today's Old Testament reading comes to us from Jeremiah chapter 39 through chapter 41. As always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Jeremiah chapter 39, beginning in verse 1. In January of the ninth year of King Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came with his entire army to besiege Jerusalem. Two and a half years later, on July 18th, in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, a a section of the city wall was broken down. All the officials of the Babylonian army came in and sat in triumph at the middle gate, Nergarel Shariz of Samgar and Nebo Sarasikim, a chief officer and Negarel Zershersim, the king's advisor, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon. When King Zedekiah of Judah and all the soldiers saw that the Babylonians had broken into the city, they fled. They waited for nightfall and then slipped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden and headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased them and overtook Zedekiah on the plains of Jericho. They captured him and took him to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who was at Riblah in the land of Hamath. There, the king of Babylon pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as he slaughtered his sons at Riblah. The king of Babylon also slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. Then he gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains to lead him away to Babylon. Ouch. Verse 8. Meanwhile, the Babylonians burned Jerusalem, including the royal palace and the houses of the people, and they tore down the walls of the city. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, ooh, that's a tough name, took as exiles to the Babylon, Babylon the rest of the people who remained in the city, those who had defected to him, and everyone else who remained. But Nebuchadnezzar allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind in the land of Judah. He assigned them to care for the vineyards and fields. Verse 11, King Nebuchadnezzar had told Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, to find Jeremiah and see that he isn't hurt, he said. Look after him well and give him anything he wants. So Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, Nebuchadnezzar, a chief officer, Negarel Shazuzarel, the king's advisor, and the other officers of Babylon's kings sent messengers to bring Jeremiah out of the prison. They put him under the care of Gedaliah, son of Alakim, and grandson of Shephan, who took him back to his home. So Jeremiah stayed in Judah among his own people. The Lord had given the following message to Jeremiah while he was still in prison. Say to Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. I will do to this city everything I have threatened. I will send disaster, not prosperity. You will see its destruction. But I will rescue you from those you fear so much. Because you trusted me, I will give you your life as a reward. I will rescue you and keep you safe. I, the Lord, have spoken. By the way, he still does that for those who trust in him. Moving on. Chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. The Lord gave a message to Jeremiah after Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, had released him at Ramah. He had found Jeremiah bound in chains among all the other captives of Jerusalem and Judah, who were being sent to exile in Babylon. The captain of the guard called for Jeremiah and said, The Lord your God has brought this disaster on this land, just as he said he would. For these people have sinned against the Lord and disobeyed him. That is why it happened. But I am going to take off your chains and let you go. 
If you want to come with me to Babylon, you are welcome. I will see that you are well cared for. But if you don't want to come, you may stay here. The whole land is before you. Go wherever you like. If you decide to stay, then return to Gedaliah, son of Echim and grandson of Shaphan. He has been appointed governor over Judah by the king of Babylon. Stay there with the people he rules. But it's up to you. Go wherever you like. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, gave Jeremiah some food and money and let him go. So Jeremiah returned to Gedaliah, son of Achim, at Mizpah, and he lived in Judah with the few who were still left in the land. So pausing here, everything has gone really well for Jeremiah. Well, I mean, the best he could. Obviously, he doesn't want to be taken over by the Babylonians either. But for the king, uh, it, it ended with him getting his eyes gouged out uh, for Jeremiah. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, let Jeremiah choose what he wants to do and give him money and food. God takes care of his people. All right, verse 7. The leaders of the Judean military groups in the countryside heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah, son son of Echem, as governor over the poor people who were left behind in Judah, the men, women, and children who hadn't been exiled to Babylon. So they went to see Gedaliah at Mizpah. These included Ishmael, son of Nephian, Johathan, and Johathan, son of Kariah, Sarasiah, son of Tanahumph, the sons of Ephiah, the Nephonite, Jeziah, son of the Mahakonite, and all their men. Gedaliah vowed to them that the Babylonians meant them no harm. Don't be afraid to serve them. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and all will go well for you, he promised. As for me, I will stay at Mizpah to represent you before the Babylonians who come to meet with us. Settle in the towns you have taken and live off the land. Harvest the grapes and the summer fruits and olives and store them away. When the Judeans in Moab, Amnon, Edom, and the other nearby countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a few people in Judah and that Gedaliah was the governor, they began to return to Judah from the places to which they had fled. They stopped at Mizpah to meet the Gedaliah and then went into the Judean countryside to gather a great harvest of grapes and other crops. Soon after this, Johanan, son of Kiriah, and the other military leaders came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. They said to him, Did you know that Baileus, king of Amnon, has sent Ishmael, son of Nathanian, to assassinate you? But Gedaliah refused to believe them. Later, Johanan had a private conference with Gedaliah and volunteered to kill Ishmael secretly. Why should we let him come and murder you? Johanan asked. What will happen then to the Judeans who have returned? Why should the few of us who are still left be scattered and lost? But Gedaliah said to Jonathan, Johanan rather, I forbid you to do any such thing, for you are lying about Ishmael. Moving into chapter 41, beginning with verse 1. But in mid-autumn of that year, Ishmael, son of Nathanan and grandson of Elishema, who was a member of the royal family and had been one of the king's highest officials, went to Mizpah with ten men to meet Gedaliah. While they were eating together, Ishmael and his ten men suddenly jumped up, drew their swords, and killed Gedaliah, whom the king of Babylon had appointed governor. Ishmael also killed all the Judeans and the Babylonian soldiers who were with Gedaliah at Mizpah. The next day, before anyone had heard about Gedaliah's murder, eighty men arrived from Shechem, Shiloh, and Samaria to worship at the temple of the Lord. They had shaved off their beards torn their clothes and cut themselves, and had brought along grain offerings and frankincense. Ishmael left Mizpah to meet them there, weeping as he went. 
When he reached them, he said, Oh, come and see what has happened to get Eliah. But as soon as they were all inside the towns, Ishmael and his men killed all but ten of them and threw their bodies into a cistern. The other ten had talked Ishmael into letting them go by promising to bring them their stores of wheat, barley, olive oil, and honey that they had hidden away. The cistern where Ishmael dumped the bodies of the men he murdered was the large one, dug by King Asa when he fortified Mizpah to protect himself against King Bashan of Israel. Ishmael, son of Nathanian, filled it with corpses. Then Ishmael made captives of the king's daughters and the other people who had been left under Gedaliah's care in Mizpah by Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard. Taking them with him, he started back toward the land of Amnon. But when Johanan, son of Kareah, and the other military leaders heard about Ishmael's crimes, they took all their men and set out to stop him. They caught up with him at the large pool near Gibeon. The people of the people Ishmael had captured shouted for joy when they saw Johanan and the other military leaders, and all the captives from Mizpah escaped and began to help Johanan. Meanwhile, Ishmael and eight of his men escaped from Johanan into the land of Ammon. Then Johanan, son of Kareah, and the other military leaders took all the people they had rescued in Gibeon, the soldiers, women, children, and court officials, whom Ishmael had captured after he killed Gedaliah. They took them all to the village of Gareth Kikiam near Bethlehem, where they prepared to leave for Egypt. They were afraid of what the Babylonians would do when they heard that Ishmael had killed Gedaliah, the governor appointed by the Babylonian king. That concludes our Old Testament reading, moving into the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting a brand new book of the Bible here with our New Testament reading. This is the second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience. Just as my ancestors did, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with the joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I am in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from, from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. 
Hold on to the pattern of the wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. As you know, everyone from the providence of Asia has deserted me, even Figilus and Hermogius. May the Lord show special kindness to one of Phasis and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving into our Proverbs reading for the day, it's going to come to us from Proverbs chapter 26, verses 1 and 2. Honor is no more associated with fools than snow with summer or rain with harvest. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. And now we will move into our psalm reading. We're going to read two psalms today. We're going to read Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, as always, in a posture of prayer. Let's begin with Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And we are entering into book four of the Psalms. The Psalms are divided up into five different books. And this is book four, Psalms 90 through Psalm 106. So here's Psalm 90, beginning with verse one. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years are as passing a day, as brief as a few nights hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear, and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life, so that we may grow in wisdom. O oh Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love, so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Moving into Psalm 91, beginning with verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers, and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. 
Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Lord, thank you that you are our salvation. And Lord, as we read in Psalm 90, as we got to read Moses' psalm, life is short. And so, Lord, we ask that our days are productive, not in the ways we see productivity, but, Lord, in the ways you do. And that might mean we have to let go of some of the so-called productive things we do in our day and do the more productive thing of noticing the poor and the broken and the oppressed around us and helping them as you have helped us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's readings, reading, friends, and uh, hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.